Well, we are on part seven of our current series, The Justified Shall Live by Faith. This is going to be the last uh, message in this series. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you that you wrapped it all up and gave it to us. And his name is Jesus. We thank you that uh, you have pulled us into your family. You have embraced us with your hug. And and you're never going to let us go. And we thank you that you have put your spirit within us. And you've put your love within us. and, And that through your spirit and through your... Through your love, we, we get to embrace the world. And Father, we, we ask that uh, this, this faith walk, this walk of faith that we are in, this, this sometimes fight of faith that we find ourselves in, we ask that it would manifest the love of Christ in this world, that we won't use your promises just for our own selfish gain, but that we would use it to be a, a, a light and a beacon of hope, of of your kindness and mercy and your goodness and your grace and, your, and your, your blessing in the world. So this morning, we humble ourselves before your throne. We humble ourselves um, to your word. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about an aspect of faith that uh, hardly is talked about, but I think it's one of the most important things as far as allowing the flow of faith to work in your life, allowing the grace of God, what he accomplished through Jesus Christ, to flow in your life. And it might uh, come as a shock to you, but uh, it's actually humility. Humility is key if you want to see faith the, good, the promises of God, the grace of God to flow, to flow in your life. Started out in Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. This is John. He's, got a, he's having a vision, whether in the body or out of the body, we don't know. But he was in heaven, and he's seen this scene. He's seen the, the 24 elders, that's, that's the 12 tribes of of, of the Old Testament, tribes of uh, Israel, and then the 12 disciples, including Paul. And they are worshiping before the throne, and they, they fell down. They, fell, they will fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created. Everything that we've ever accomplished in life, when all things are made known, you're going to realize that it was all God. Even if we don't realize it here on earth when we get to heaven and the scales fall off our eyes, we will realize that every good thing that ever happened in our life, every good thing that we ever done with our life was because of God. And we will throw our crowns down. We will worship him because he is worthy. 
He created all things, and because of his will, we exist. I love that phrase, because of his will. He willed you to exist. You are God's will. Isn't that amazing to think about? about? He willed us into existence. He willed you to be here this morning. What's God's will? You. That's amazing to think about. And when we realize the origin of our existence, when we realize where we came from, where everything came from, and it all comes from God, that right there is enough to show that we owe him everything. We owe him everything. uh, Micah, chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do just do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God has called us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk in humility with our God. Walk humbly with our God. The highest virtue of mankind is humility. True humility is discovered when we place our entire existence upon God. See, the origin of sin is pride and self-dependence. That was the sin. It wasn't that they ate God's apple and they had to pay the price now because they ate God's apple. It was the will to be self-dependent. It was the pride of life. Pride is the opposite of humility. Understand something. This is something that I've had, I, have to learn, I had to learn myself. There is nowhere in the Bible that pride is ever talked about positively. It's always in a negative light. Isn't it something that pride is always negative in the Bible, but we use it all the time? I'm proud of what I just did. We say it to our kids, I'm proud of you. Do you see how we're reinforcing this idea that we're independent of God? And it's going to take a while to change your vocabulary because I'm still working on it. When we, what we do is we instill into our children when, we, when they do something great, we don't instill... Isn't that awesome how God has gifted you and talented you, talented you to do what you were able to do? And because of that, just think of what, how he might be able to use you. But no, we turn it into a self-centered thing that you did it with your own ability. Pride is the cancer of humanity. Pride and self-exaltation are the gate of and the curse of hell. And the law is the, is the full extent of pride. God gave man what they wanted. I want to know what's good and what's evil. So I can be righteous before you. The law is not of faith. And faith is what pleases God. See, that's what the law was all about. It was God proving to humanity that you cannot be righteous on your own. 
And pride always becomes before the fall. In 1 Peter 5, chapter 5, verse 7, it says, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I just want to spend a little bit of time here. See, one of the things that uh, we younger men can, can become is arrogant and think that we know everything and don't depend on the generations that came before us. And then it says, all of us, though, need to clothe ourselves in humility. And when I was worshiping this morning, God just brought some up to my remembrance. And it's something that uh, I want to share with you guys, and you can do what you want with it. Our elder, our great, our silver-haired saints, or whatever you want to call yourself, you are much needed in this body. We need you, and we don't need you to pull away from this body as far and isolate yourself, but we need you to get involved. Your input is greatly appreciated and desired here. Now I just want to get in a personal aspect. If you are a grandparent, if you are a grandparent, do not get into a mindset because my kids don't call me enough. My, my grandkids don't come and visit me enough. My, they don't reach out to me enough. And you get into this place of a pity, pity, thinking they don't care about you and love you. It says for all of us to clothe ourselves in humility. You have to realize, take yourself back to when you were my age, let's say, and all the duties of raising a family and kids and the goings-ons and stuff. You have to humble yourself and be willing to reach out to the younger generation. Reach out to your grandkids. Realize that they're, they're crazy busy, just like you were when you were raising a family. And maybe a phone call from you is what they need. Maybe you need to come and visit them because they've been running all week long. We need to humble ourselves to one another and realize that we are in each other's lives for one another, not for self-gratification, but how we can edify, build up, and encourage others. God says... He opposes the proud. So, there is a way to get God to be against you, and that's to be proud. You actually have God's grace working against you when you are proud. But, if you humble yourselves, His grace comes to you. He empowers you. And don't get me wrong. Humility and being humble is not being a pushover or weak or pathetic. David, when he fought Goliath, was humble. 
but his brothers thought that he was being proud. The difference between David being proud and David being humility is who he was boasting in. He boasted in God, not in himself. So sometimes someone can be, look very confident, look very proud, and really be the most humble person in the room because of who he puts his faith in, who he puts his trust in, who they put their, their reliance on, and who they boast and give praise to. Humility is the absence of pride in oneself. And Paul did it over and over and over again in his, in his writings. He's talked about how I am nothing. He says, I'm the least of all the apostles, but I work harder than them all. And then he says, but don't get me wrong, it's not me that worketh, it's, it's the grace of God that's working through me. So he understood that even though he was outworking, outperforming, outwriting, out-evangelizing, out-building churches, more than any of the other apostles, he realized that it, it was nothing to do with who he was. It was God in him working through him. So it can sound very boastful to be humble, but it's not. It's, it's, it's declaring who God is in your life and giving him all the credit Credit for it. Being conscious of one's own weakness and desire to ascribe, to ascribe to God the credit for what one has achieved or accomplished. That is humility. Ascribing to God what he, that, the ability that you've accomplished. True humility leads to submission and obedience. We, those are words we don't like up there. You want to know why? Because we're proud. We don't like submission. We don't like obedience. Isaiah one nineteen says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Humility leads to submission. Are you willing? See, submission doesn't mean letting someone run all over you. It's saying, I allow, I, I put you over me. I submit to your leadership. I submit to your will. And we have to do that. It, it, it's, it's how government is set up. Not only government universal in the world, but in our own homes. Submission is a thing of a heart. It's willingness. I, I, I'm willing to submit. You can be obedient and not be submissive. And it says that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And that comes through humility, trusting in God. James chapter 4, verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace. How does he give more grace? Do you want some more grace in your life? Do you want the more, more ability and favor and blessing of God in your life? God gives more grace in, in certain individuals' lives. Do you know that? He gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. There it is again. If you want more grace in your life, get pride out. Humble yourself before God. That's amazing. True humility is always more interested in others than self. Humility always looks up at others instead of down at them. 
Do you realize that? And that's what Paul was talking about when he was talking to the Corinthians. He says, he says um, see each other in Christ Jesus. We no longer see each other according to the flesh, but in Christ. And don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Because it's all of Christ. Humility always looks up at others. No matter who they are, it always looks up at others. Why? Because it sees Christ in them. In Mark chapter 10, verse 35, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's, that's amazing to think that they, the boldness to be able to say that. We're not going to tell you what we want yet, but we want you to say that you're going to do whatever we want. And he said to them, what do, you want for, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. <laughs> Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and the baptism I baptize with. You will be baptized. But sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And what's interesting is they did drink the cup and then they did get the baptism, but it wasn't the way that Jesus got it. It was by faith. Jesus was all alone. But, but that's, what, that's what pride does. Pride uh, elevates yourself above all others. And Jesus became a servant. Verse 41 and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who, consider, who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be... Slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. And that's the kingdom of God. That's, that's how the op, that, it's an upside down kingdom. God does everything backwards to our fallen, prideful nature. He says, if you want to be great, become the least. And it just goes 100% against, against pride. True servanthood is true greatness. Pride only seeks itself. Only by pride cometh contention, Proverbs 13.10. Uh, the New Living Translation says, pride leads to conflict. Only by pride comes conflict. Only, there's only one way that conflict happens in your life, and it's because of pride. If you have no pride, guess what you have? No conflict. 
Why do we have conflict? Because we have pride. Why do we have pride? Because we, we're concerned that we won't get our own way. We, won't, we, we, we think that we'll be taken advantage of. We won't be right. We won't be seen as winning the argument. Blah, it goes on and on and on. Humility humbles themselves and says, you know what? Whether I'm seen as a fool or whether I'm seen as wise, whether I'm seen as weak, whether I'm seen as myself as strong, I trust God. I trust God. There's so many of us that have won so many arguments. You won the battle, but in the end you lose the war because some of the people that you've cared, you care about and you never meant to get a hard heart towards them or to drive them away came and it all became, came because of pride. The New King James Version says, by pride comes nothing but strife. So next time you're in the heat of the moment, hear the small, tender voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you're filled with pride. Not you. You don't tell me. You don't tell me that. The Holy Spirit has to tell me that. But it's true. And we're all, we're all working on it, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Do you know these scriptures right here? I was thinking about this. These scriptures right here, we probably use these scriptures more than almost any other scriptures in the, in the Bible, in my teachings. Because this is where it all happened. We can learn so much from the temptation and the fall, the fall of man. Because it, it, it happens to us daily. Did God say? Will God do? Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Then their eyes, the eyes of, the, of both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Why did they make themselves coverings? Because they now were self-examining rather than God-examining. Self became number one. And God had clothes on. And they didn't. And already they're looking at the differences between them and God. And they separated themselves from God. Pride will separate you from God. They saw pride, the whole fall of man, and the whole issue with mankind today is that we seek pride, we seek self-preservation, uh, self edification, self-exaltation. 
over humility. They chose to be proud before their creator rather than humble in themselves. They were created by this being called God. And they chose to be separate from their creator. I mean, the closest thing that we could ever imagine is is a child choosing to have nothing to do with their parents. Can you imagine what God felt when that happened? We, they chose pride. They chose to be independent from God. Pride is the root of every sin and every evil. Have I got that through yet? Proverbs 29 and 23, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble spirit will obtain honor. Pride brings a man low. Pride is the very nature of the flesh. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. Humility, humbling yourself, is an act of your own will. Jesus was equal with God. Jesus was equal with God, but he chose. Jesus chose to humble himself. He chose to become a servant. He, became, he chose to become obedient unto death. Humility is a choice that we have to make. And humility is a choice we have to make because it's trusting in God. Jesus trusted in the plan that the Trinity put in place for redemption of mankind. He trusted in the outcome. He believed in the outcome. And he humbled himself to the plan of God, and we have been saved. And because of his obedience and because of him humbling himself, God, in turn, exalted him. God God is against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God will lift you up. God exalted him, and God will exalt you. It's so much better when God exalts you, and you're not exalting yourself. Christ came, became nothing so that God might become all. True humility is a pathway to death of self. If you're, if you're, if you're struggling with, with sins or you're struggling not walking in the nature of Christ, if you're not walking in the, the, uh, you're walking in the works of the flesh rather than the, walking in the spirit, here's a little secret how to get out of it. Humble yourself. Be humble. All sin is pride. 
Humility serves. Humility is willing to get low and lifts others up. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 and 4, Jesus says, and said, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This isn't talking about going to heaven. This is talking about operating in the kingdom of heaven. Unless you humble yourself, you cannot operate. You, can't, you, you, can't, you, won't, you won't be living in the kingdom. You might be a king's kid, but you're not experiencing the benefits of the kingdom because you can't experience the benefits of the kingdom and be proud. You can't be self-righteous. You can't be dependent on your own works. You can't be dependent on what your abilities and your accomplishments and your talents. You have to humble yourself like a little child. And what is a little child? A little child is something that's dependent. It's dependent. You know, so many, so many people, you know, I don't need religion. It's just, an old, it's just a crutch. Yeah, I, 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 if, 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 if a relationship with God, if dependence with God, if the grace of God, if the gospel of God can be compared to a crutch, give me a wheelchair. Yes, I am dependent on God. This is something that I've come to learn because this is pride is something that I struggled with, being a self-made man and, and, and my abilities and my accomplishments and what I can do and to get to the point by God's grace that I realize that it's all of him, that without him I can do nothing. It's all of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 and 5, it says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughty. It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecoming. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it, it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to suffer, be suffered wrong. This is faith. Faith is to be dependent on God as your very life. To realize that you are dead in Christ. And when someone insults you, someone treats you wrong, what does a dead person have to say about being treated wrong? If there, was a, if there was a dead person here, you could kick it, you could take his wallet out, take the money out of it, you could spit on them. You could just insult them all they wanted, and they wouldn't do anything. Why? Because they're dead. And when we see ourselves dead and dead, dead unto our old flesh and alive in Christ, they can do whatever they want to this man, because I'm trusting in the inside man, Christ in me, the hope of glory, to exalt me in due time. 
The power of perfect love forgets self. It finds joy in blessing others and bearing with them and honoring them. Think about that. Humility humbles itself. And in, in humility, you, fi- you find yourself in the love of God. And the love of God just gets joy out of seeing other people blessed. Being the blesser and not the blessee. And it brings great joy. It brings great joy. There, there, there's no, you know, there's nothing that, that I get more joy out of than seeing the lights come on in individuals, see people's lives change, see the way that they think about God differently, see the way that they think about themselves differently, and just see the wheels start turning and, and just see that they start putting faith to, their, to, the, to what they believe and see that their lives just start transforming. The, their whole continence changes. And, and to me, there's no greater joy than that. The, if you say, what do I get by being a pastor, is, is that. That's the greatest thing, is when I see God working in an individual and giving out and expecting to see a return in your guys' lives. When you give, when you when you pray for another person, when you give, when you sow into another individual, through teaching, through mentoring, through, through financial, through just being a shoulder to cry on and giving encouragement and, and wisdom in situations. Without any expect, expectation to receive anything back. That's where you'll find true joy. That's where you'll where you find the reason you, we were created. We were created to create. We were created to give. We were created in the image of God. We were created to love. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. When we hubble ourselves and let the love of God flow through us, faith works. Faith works. Faith works through love. And that for Christ, in Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails nothing. This is people having arguments. They're having arguments. Well, I'm circumcised. Well, you don't need to be circumcised in the, in the new covenant. I'm not circumcised, so I'm better than you. No, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not circumcised. It doesn't matter if you go to this church or that church. It doesn't matter whatever your religious circus routine that you boast in. It doesn't matter. It's in Christ, and in Christ we find the love of God, and through the love of God, faith works. 1 Timothy 1.5, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. How do you have sincere faith? Through a pure heart with the love of God in it and a good conscience. How do you have a good conscience? You don't have prideful self-seeking motives. You humble yourself. We have a pure heart because we are operating in the love of God. We have a good motives. We have good conscience because we have humbled ourselves in, in sincere faith. Philemon, 
chapter 1, verse 5. Because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Notice that love and faith work together. And this love and faith is not just towards God, it's towards one another. First you have it towards God, and then once you receive from God, you give to one another. We have faith towards one another. We believe in one another. We encourage one another. We see the gifts and callings of God in one another, and we pull those out. We speak those into existence. Some people have a hard time seeing what God has created them to be. And maybe God has called you to be a prophet in their life and speak edification, exhortation, and lift them up to, the, to what God is calling them to be, to see the, the jewels that God has put in them. Faith works by love, pride, self-seeking, self-willed, self-confidence, self-exaltation renders faith impossible. You know, I shared with you, I know it says goodbye, but uh, you know that's not the end. <laughs> I shared something a while ago about, uh, we went to a wedding a, a year ago, two years ago, I don't know, two years ago maybe, and uh, it was up in the UP, and we had a hotel, and Amanda wanted me to go get in the, the human soup bowl called the uh, hot tub. And so she talked me into it, and I humbled myself and became a servant. And I went to the hot tub with her, and it could have been because I was expecting it, but uh, I ended up getting athlete's foot. And I spent a good month thinking my toes were rotting off. And I was confessing, I was a man of faith. I was confessing, I was, I was, there's no way this is going to get me. I, and it, my faith wore a little, I ran out of faith. I thought, this is nuts. If I can go get a, a lotion and put it on there, I'm going to get it gone, I'm going to get it gone. Because I've seen the commercials. You take the lotion, put it on, it's gone. Well, I did it, and it started going away, and then it just came back even worse. And the lotion didn't do anything. And then finally, I just said, you know what, Lord? I don't care if my toes fall off. I'm just going to rest and trust you. The Lord taught me something in that. That when we are confessing, when we're trying to use our faith, when we're trying to use our strength, we're trying to, I'm going to beat this thing. That was just pride wrapped in religious jargon. It's one thing when you're praying for somebody else and you're rebuking and using your confidence in the faith and you are doing, because what that person has done is they've humbled themselves to be prayed by humbled themselves before God to be prayed by another individual. And for me, I've learned 
that faith isn't something I use. Faith, faith is something I have and somebody that is greater than I am. Faith is resting and knowing that you have a loving Father. Faith is resting in the finished work of Christ, knowing that he has accomplished it. Faith, all the promises of God are find their yes and their amen in him. Do you know, if all the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus and you're a Christian, you no longer have to ask God for anything. You realize that? If every single promise of God has been answered in Christ Jesus, and the answer is what? Yes and amen. Why would you ask God for anything? Because he's already given it to you. And you're thinking, well, then no one would pray. Why would anybody pray? Maybe because you love God and you like to fellowship with him. You like to talk with him. He's your heavenly father. and He's filled with wisdom and great ideas and, and encouragement. Maybe you just want to thank God. And when I said, you know what, I give up. And I said, I'm just going to rest in here, and my feet fall off, my toes fall off, they fall off. It wasn't that bad, but. And when I rested in that, and I didn't write this down. I should write stuff down. It was in a week, no longer than two weeks, it was completely gone. I tried the way of the world, I tried the religious way, and then I tried just doing nothing and trusting God. That's my experience. That's what happened in my life. That's my testimony. But maybe it might speak to some of you. Maybe some of you are realizing that, that you've cloaked your pride in religious faith instead of just trusting, relying, resting rejoicing in a God that has already said yes to your prayer. Faith worketh by love. Spend some time just cultivating the love of God, just just realizing how much God loves you and what he's done for you. Recite your past and look at the places in your life that God has brought you through. I've said this before, and it's, it's true that I really think that I would not be alive today, that I would be dead today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and him bringing Amanda into my life. I have found that Pride is so subtle. And in, in America, as an American, you can, you can, pride can be righteous, seem righteous. But it's a cancer. It stops faith. It stops God from working in your life. It gives you, it gives you, cre- you take credit for what God has done. There is nothing in my life that I've come to realize, whether it's in business, whether it's in my family, whether it's in my health, whether it's in this church, it's that I am nothing without him. And the sooner we realize 
and humble ourselves before God and realize that, you know, it, some people are religiously humble. They say that they're nothing, but inside their heart, they're filled with contentment, rage, anger. They say that they're no good and they're worthless. You know, that's a big thing with when people do, when even preaching or singing a song or whatever, people say, come up and say, that was great, that was great. And, and we just talk down to ourselves instead of just saying, you know what, You're right. that was good. God's amazing. I'm so glad he's gifted me. He's talented me to do what I was, to do what, to sing or whatever your talent is. There's a, see, what happens for a lot of people is, is they think they're humble by thinking that they can do nothing. Well, humility, true humility says, I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I feel like I'm nothing. I don't, can't accomplish nothing. I'm not in myself. I am in Christ. And in Christ, I can do all things. So you got the one that is outwardly pry, proud, and you got the one that's in, inwardly, inwardly proud. And sometimes pride, or tr- sometimes humility looks like pride. Do you know Moses wrote in the Old Testament, he says, and Moses was the humble, most humble man on the face of the earth. Moses wrote about himself that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. It's like that one church that had an award for the most humble person. And they nominated the most humble person, come up and get this award. And just as he's getting ready to take the award, they took it back from him and said, a humble person won't take a reward. Put it down. That's not humility. Humility is declaring what God says. Doing what God tells you to do. Trusting in God. And when you read the account of Exodus, there was no more humble man than Moses. And humility brings you to a place where all you are depending on is God. And that is faith. That's faith. Amen? Amen. I'll shut up. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your wisdom that you have hidden in this book. And you haven't hidden from us. You've hidden it for us. We thank you that we, we, we know the devil's devices, that he wants us to be like him. He wants us to exalt ourselves. He wants us to lift ourselves up above the throne of God. And we know the truth, that true greatness comes through humbling ourselves and trusting in your exaltation, trusting that you will lift us up, trust trust in you that you will provide, trust in you that you will strengthen and empower, trusting in you that you will bring the results in our life. Holy Spirit, I just ask and... 
I joked about it, but, but I, I really, really mean it, that in our homes that we would see the pride in our own hearts, the people that we care about, the people that we love the most, that we are filled with contentment and pride towards them. We put ourselves before our families all the time. Maybe it's just me, Lord. I ask that you would, you would remind us of our place in Christ, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us in the heat of an argument that, that we are just filled with pride and arrogance and self-exalting and that we would humble ourselves and repent and ask for forgiveness, forgiveness from our children, forgiveness from our wife, forgiveness from our husband, forgiveness from our parents, and that we would live this life trusting and resting in you. For you are the faithful one. You are the faithful one. When we are not faithful, you remain faithful. You are the everlasting Father. You are our God. And we exalt you and praise you this morning. And we humble ourselves to your word to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Be blessed. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.